This week on the show, we're going to talk a little bit about my first month as a print-on-demand seller. We've got some reselling news. We'll touch on eBay's new international shipping program, and I've got a pretty nice What's Sold segment. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to episode number 187 of the Galaxy CD's Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. If you're new to the channel or to the pod, my name is Ryan, and I am a full-time reseller, part-time YouTuber, and podcaster working out of my home here in the greater Cincinnati area, and this channel is all about the flip life. Uh, my apologies for not having an episode earlier this week. I'm a little off schedule. It's been pretty busy here at the Galaxy. Uh, I've talked to a couple other sellers that seem to be doing pretty well this season. My sales as of this recording are up 60% in December to what they were at the same time last year through like 15 days. I'm recording this on Friday the 16th. So pretty stoked about where things are stacking up so far for December. I hope you're having a great month as well as we get into this last week or so. Sales have started to slow down a little bit as we've now started to really approach some of the shipping deadlines, which is one of the things that's going to lead the news. So let's just get cracking. News updates. So eBay has their... They do this pretty much every year. They do a holiday shipping update, and that is out now. Peak season... Peak shipping season is here. Good news, the carrier networks are mostly in good shape. And while we saw some minor delays, the major carriers are effectively managing peak volumes. We expect to see good performance for the balance of the year. Your mileage may vary on that. My personal experience is that this year has been so far much, much better than last year. I had four packages that were misplaced at my local post office right around Thanksgiving that I finally had to file a missing package claim on. And of course, within two or three days, all four of those were delivered. And I have one right now from Etsy that is in the ether somewhere. But so far, that's been it. Knockwood, five packages out of probably something on the order of 350 or 400 cents since around Thanksgiving. So I'm pretty pleased with how it's gone. If you're watching on YouTube, you can let me know in the comments below what your experience has been with shipping this year. Mine, by and large, has been pretty good. So uh, eBay goes on to say, while overall trends are steady, they're going to stay on top of the weather and shipping conditions as they evolve. Specifically, they're continuing to monitor the severe storms and storm warnings as they develop through this week. There was a pretty big storm coming in kind of from the West Coast that was expected to impact uh, some areas of the country here in the U.S. Some USPS locations, they note, may have reduced holiday hours on December 24th. So for sellers who have added Saturday as a working day in their shipping preferences, they're going to give you an extra day on your um, shipping metrics for shipping on time. So that's all great news. It's been pretty good so far. Again, knock wood uh, that that will continue for this last week or so as we head into the holiday. USPS also did decrease some rates uh, for priority mail label labels. This went into effect back on December 9th. Sellers using eBay labels. I believe this also was true at, I'm sure, Etsy and ShipStation and Pirate Ship and all the rest of them. Uh, up, packages up to five pounds in zones one through four did have a small savings applied to them. 
I've not really seen anywhere where they explain why they decided to do this or what the actual savings were, but there is has been a reduction that went into effect on December 9th. So again, more good news uh, in this time where we're all shipping a lot more packages. That's probably pretty helpful. Doesn't really affect me all that much as I ship almost everything media mail, but it's it's helpful to say the least. Amazon. Uh, this uh, article is over on e-commerce bytes. And as always, I will link to this in the show notes in the video description below. Amazon is shifting some return shipping costs to sellers. Amazon will no longer absorb certain costs involved with returns that informed sellers on Wednesday. Quote, starting January 14th, sellers will be responsible for any carrier shipping correction charges on customer returns of seller fulfilled orders caused by incorrect return label information. On the face of us, that actually sounds fair. If you generate a return label and you put incorrect information on it and it results in an overcharge to Amazon as an adjustment, they are now going to start passing that cost on to you. Amazon said it had previously absorbed those charges, but in line with industry standards, sellers will soon be responsible for shipping corrections for seller-fulfilled returns. Sellers expressed concern over the new policy since they had no control over how buyers packaged their returns. Customers often return products in different packaging, wrote one seller. I have never received a return in packaging anywhere as good as what I used. Just wait for the charges to start rolling in. I don't get a lot of returns. I've had, uh, if you discount the two that I had to take back because I mistakenly sent the wrong item uh, to two different people and I had to take those back. But those were shipped back to me in exactly the same condition using actually the same envelopes or the same type of envelope, but my returns generally have come back in similar packaging to what they were sent out in. So I've not experienced that problem. Obviously, again, your mileage may vary, but some sellers are concerned that this is going to be an issue. Another seller asked why Amazon was implementing the change in the middle of the holiday return season. Why not February 1st after the return sweepstakes have concluded, the seller asked. Uh, Why would Amazon wait I guess just to play devil's advocate on this until after the biggest return period of the year where they're going to experience the highest volume of incorrect returns and overcharges. That just doesn't make any sense. I totally understand from a business perspective. It's not, it's certainly not seller friendly, but I certainly understand why they would implement that. Now, another question, how Amazon could implement, implement the policy retroactively. Amazon can rightfully say orders after a specific date have this rule, new rule, but not all open orders up until that date. It's it's their sandbox. They can kind of do whatever they want is my, <laughs> uh, my take on that. Amazon will inform sellers of the new charges through a monthly email notification containing a detailed report. You can read the announcement and seller reaction over on Amazon Seller Central. There is a link in this article uh, where you can click over to that. Interesting article. Um, This was on uh, local news up in Boston. Feds allege Russian smuggling ring used New Hampshire's couple's Etsy store in the war on Ukraine. A 35-year-old New Hampshire man has been federally charged with using his suburban home as part of a Russian smuggling ring. Federal prosecutors allege that Alexei Brayman's home has been a clearinghouse for sensitive equipment commonly used to build weapon systems, including items used in Russia's war on Ukraine. According to a 16-count federal indictment, Brayman allegedly received an ongoing supply of, quote, advanced electronics and sophisticated testing equipment used in quantum computing, hypersonic and nuclear weapons development, and other military and space-based applications. Neighbors told Boston 25 News that they often saw packages and coming going 
coming and going from the address at 30 Ellie Drive in Merrimack, New Hampshire. However, they said they didn't think much of it because they know that Brayman and his wife run an online Etsy craft business. It's Amazon, it's UPS, it's all that stuff, said one neighbor. It's not something you expect in Merrimack. It's probably not something you expect anywhere to find out that your neighbor has been selling uh, electronics used in nuclear weapons <laughs> uh, on Etsy. I wonder what category he was selling that stuff in. Anyway, the indictment filed in the Eastern District of New York charges the seven suspects with conspiracy, money laundering, and bank fraud. So uh, they're throwing the book at this guy. Interesting. We'll see how that all plays out. But uh, the indictment says he is a lawful permanent resident of the United States. He is identified in court documents as an Israeli citizen who was born in Ukraine. He did, for what it's worth, turn himself in. So there you go. This was an interesting one. Also on e-commerce bites, promoting eBay listings may come with a catch. eBay offers ways, of course, for sellers to get extra visibility to their listings by running promoted listing ad campaigns. But a recent email from a seller was a reminder that sometimes running ads on eBay can backfire due to a policy that was implemented three years ago. The seller said that when they don't run PLA ads, their sales plummet, which we've talked about when I did my uh, initial video and podcast regarding the promoted listings that I would expect that if you stopped doing them, your sales would plummet because they're really pushing those out. Mine went up a stratosphere. It was like 450% more exposures. So naturally, if you turn that spigot off, your sales will drop. But they did make a surprising discovery recently. Shoppers who use ad blockers may not see their ad, but they also may not see the seller's organic listing in search results either. Because in 2019, eBay launched a policy as part of its then fall seller update in 2019 called removal of duplicated promoted and non-promoted listings in search. It explained that starting in September 2019, we'll no longer show duplicate promoted and non-promoted listings on the search results page. This is something that Etsy does not do. Etsy still shows both. If you look something up, you will see the advertised by seller thumbnail. And then maybe scrolling on down a little bit later, you will see the regular generic organic listing as well. eBay has stopped that practice. If you're using promoted listings, only one of your listings, either promoted or non-promoted, will appear in a given set of search results giving buyers a cleaner, more relevant search experience. I will bet you a dollar that in most cases it's showing, based on my experience, the promoted listing because about 60-odd percent of my sales now are through promoted listings. It's become a significant portion of my business. Uh, they wrote about the negative impact of ad blockers at that time after the auction professor vlogged about it in a YouTube video. Interestingly, the head of eBay seller experience at the time, Harry Temkin, left a comment on that video confirming the issue, but stating that, quote, most ad blockers did not block eBay promoted listing ads. He said the eBay data suggested at the time that promoted listings were being blocked for less than 2% of eBay traffic. So uh, let me know if you've noticed this, if you're aware of this. If you use an ad blocker, do you notice, are you seeing sponsored posts on sponsored items, sponsored listings on eBay when you do a search? Last thing really in the news, um, new FedEx service shows the scale of online returns. FedEx is launching a new service for online merchants to deal with customer returns, an ever-growing problem that we just talked about a few moments ago that has spawned a number of solutions to try to help retailers cope. FedEx Consolidated Returns will launch in the U.S. in early 2023 and offers what FedEx calls a, quote, low-priced, easy e-commerce returns option that merchants can pass on to shoppers. Customers don't need to package 
and box their returns, nor do they need to print a label. They can use a QR code. The returned items are then consolidated with returns from other sellers and ultimately processed and returned to the merchants. Here's how the carrier described the new offering in their announcement. FedEx Consolidated Returns is facilitated through supply chain services offered by FedEx Logistics and FedEx Office. Shoppers who purchased from participating merchants can drop off the items they wish to return. No box or label required at approximately 2,000 FedEx office locations. The return items will then be consolidated with other returns from a variety of merchants, saving materials and space. The items are then processed through those FedEx logistics locations and sent back to the merchants via less than truckload option. Uh, Said in, in a new solution that marks the latest addition to growing FedEx returns portfolio, which includes printerless and packages of return options at over 10,000 locations currently nationwide. So this is kind of similar to what Amazon does with the UPS store. You just take your item that you want to return back to them. They scan the little QR code on your phone and you are on your way. They handle everything else from there. It's a pretty seamless process. My experience with FedEx versus UPS is that this probably will not be quite as seamless on FedEx. Uh, my apologies to anyone who's a FedEx worker that is watching or listening to this. Uh, their service does not seem to be as efficient as UPS for me in things that I have shipped and or received through them. So we'll see how that works out. But that's a new service coming to FedEx. The last thing I wanted to talk about a little bit on on the news segment, and I reached out to uh, Steve Resell Dojo about this, and he has not yet switched over. But back on November 25th, my eBay account was switched from the global shipping program over to their new international shipping program. And it has been a, uh, what's the word? Disaster. (laughs) Uh, Man, I just, I can't, I cannot believe how bad it has been. So I have actually not had an international sale since that switch. So I've gone nearly three weeks now with not a single international sale. I was averaging, generally speaking, one to two a day that were being sent to the center over in Kentucky through the global shipping program. And since they switched me back on November 25th, not a single international sale. I called eBay to question them about that. I looked at some of my listings and interestingly, they all said they were available to ship to the United States, Burma, and Sudan. And that was it. Every other country was excluded. So I talked to the rep and he gave me some instructions, which at the time I expected were probably incorrect. And as it turned out, of course they were. He had me turn on regular eBay's international shipping standard. That really didn't work either. I did get two orders to Canada through that program, but those were not part of the new international shipping program. So I had to go back and, again, bulk edit and update all of my shipping policies, which was another nightmare. eBay, for some reason, seems to randomly generate new shipping policies when I opened up my policies pages, which, shame on me, I hadn't done it in quite some time. I literally had 13 pages (laughs) uh, of shipping policies that I had to consolidate down into the half a dozen that I actually normally use. That was a massive, massive process, even doing it bulk because some of them inevitably fail for one reason or another. I spent about eight hours in total working on this to actually get everything into the new eBay international shipping program. So if you have not yet been switched over, 
hey, you've got this to look forward to. <laughs> uh, it's probably going to be messy. I it, They made it sound like it was going to be super seamless, and it has been neither seamless nor effective. No sales through that program. Uh, it's amazing to me that I'm up 60% in December, considering that I've not had a single international sale through that program all month after averaging probably 40 to 45 a month through the global shipping program. Um, and it was a real hassle to get it uh, situated over there. So uh, do with that what you will. If you have not yet switched over to that program, it, it may be a little bit of a mess. If you have been switched over to the program, have you looked at your listings? Are they showing correctly that they are now available to ship to all of those available countries? And have you had any orders through that new program? Again, you can let me know if you're watching on YouTube down in the comments or you can uh, alternatively email me at galaxycds at gmail.com. With all that being said, uh, man, I hope they get that fixed. <laughs> uh, let's get into some what's sold. So because I missed a week, this is going to be uh, maybe a little bit more than what we would normally have, but we'll try to get through it in a reasonable pace, and hopefully there's some interesting stuff here. And this is where we will also talk about my first month as a print-on-demand seller. So this first item uh, was sold on Etsy. This went to Canada through their version of the international shipping program, The Happy Art of Catching Men uh, from 1914. This was a first edition hardcover I had listed for 1999. Uh, did sell with a, I'm running a discount right now over there, of uh, 15% off on my regular items. So $3 off. So it sold for $16.99 and $21 for first class shipping to Canada. So again, old books. This was um, written by a reverend. Again, it cut off his name, but uh, original first edition hardcover from 1914, The Happy Art of Catching Men. This was from the big uh, 15 odd thousand book lot that I'm still waiting my way through. So cost of goods sold was about a nickel. Another book from that lot, the manual of formulas, recipes, methods, and processes by Raymond B. Wales. This was from 1932. It was essentially a kind of a mathematical look at cooking. <laughs> really interesting piece. This book was not in very good condition, but there were not a lot of them out of out there. This also sold on Etsy. $24.99, less $3.75 for the discount, plus media mail shipping. So this was a pretty nice flip, again, from a nickel to essentially $21. Another book also from that lot, this one over on Mercari, The Tale of Genji, a novel in six parts. This was an unabridged version of these books uh, by Lady Murasaki. Uh, it was from 1960, hardcover in its original dust jacket. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, you can see this dust jacket is in reasonably good shape. There's a couple of small blemishes at the top where it was kind of torn away, but for the most part, in pretty good shape. This went for $22 with free shipping over on Mercari. Part of this big lot, I found a box, and I'm, I'm always on the lookout for these really unusual old kind of owner's manuals for old like ham radios and that sort of stuff. There was a box essentially full of these. I've sold already about a dozen, ranging anywhere from fifteen to about twenty-two, twenty-three dollars. Uh, a company called the R.L. Drake Company. They were from, I believe, Miamisburg, Ohio, kind of in the Dayton area. They sold a line of products called Drake. They were radio transceivers and antennas and all kinds of stuff. But these manuals have been really, really good. This is a manual for the. 
TR7HF transceiver. This sold on eBay for $22.99 plus media mail shipping. Like I said, I've sold a bunch of these already, uh, ranging from about $15 all the way up to $23-$25. Um, several of them all to one person who must own a ton of this old Drake ham radio, amateur radio equipment. So again, those are things maybe to be on the lookout for. If you're out in a state sale and you see that the guy was a ham radio buff or an amateur radio buff, and there is a lot of manuals around, you can usually pick them up super cheap because they just want to get rid of them. And some of them can bring pretty reasonable money. Here is a one of my print-on-demand items. This sold on Etsy. I've actually removed all the print-on-demand from eBay. I was not getting any traction over there at all. Um, and it had, again, messed with some of my shipping policies. So I just wasn't comfortable with how that was working. So I did delete all of those from eBay. I'm solely doing this at the moment over on Etsy. Um, this was just a, a kind of a funny Christmas shirt design. It was a sweatshirt. I got a graphic of the the doge dog and a wreath. And I said, is a heckin' good Christmas and threw it on a mug and a, a sweatshirt and a t-shirt. And I've actually sold <laughs> a sweatshirt here for $27.99, less a 10% discount. So whatever that makes it, $3 off, $24.99, 20, a little over $25 plus shipping. Uh, sold a mug with this design as well. The print on demand stuff has actually been doing pretty well. I spoke about it about a month ago when I first started this, that I made my first sale in a week. And I've watched a ton of YouTube videos about print on demand where a lot of sellers talk about during their first month, two months, three months, they don't make many, if any, sales. And most of those have been to family and friends. In my case, I haven't made any sales to any family or friends, which is both encouraging and a bit disappointing. Uh, encouraging because all of my sales are true, organic actual customers and disappointing because none of my friends or family have supported <laughs> uh, my little venture yet. So that's a little disheartening. Um, but the, the, the whole thing for the, for the most part has gone surprisingly well. So in the first month, just to give you a breakdown of, of the, if you're not familiar with print on demand, it's a, essentially a form of drop shipping where you align yourself with, I'm using Printify and you make your designs. I'm making all my designs in Canva you upload them to Printify, and then they contract out with printers literally all over the world. I've had an item printed in Poland. I've had an item printed in Germany. Uh, most of it is here in the U.S., but there are sales literally all over the world, and I've had stuff printed in multiple countries already. But you, once the design is uploaded, you're a, almost hands-off other than whatever customer service aspect has to be handled over on Etsy. You're not printing. You're not packing. You're not shipping. You're simply uploading the design and they do all the rest. So it's a semi-passive form of income once the designs are done. In that first month, I've done 44 different designs, which I've placed on 101 different products. I'm really only using three right now. A couple of different types of t-shirts, sweatshirts, and a couple of different kinds of coffee mugs. So those are kind of the three things I'm really focused on right now. Shirts and mugs. So 44 designs on 101 products. That has resulted in 24 sales. Nine different designs have sold over those 24 sales. So everything from this to uh, I had a, one that did very well. It's a, a T-shirt that says this guy needs some V-Bucks. And it's got a little one of the V-Bucks if you're familiar with Fortnite, uh, as I am unfortunately intimately familiar with from a couple kids I know. <laughs> uh, that design has sold really, really well. Uh, but nine different designs, which is about on par 
with what most print-on-demand sellers seem to indicate. They they say that typically about two in ten, two out of every ten designs will end up being a hit and actually selling some product. And I'm at right at like twenty-one or twenty-two percent. So right in that window, nine designs, twenty-four sales, five hundred and sixteen dollars and ninety-six cents gross. Um, net profit after I took out the fees for some of the software that I bought in order to help create these designs and to do like the mock-ups. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the guy sitting there in the sweatshirt. That's actually a mock-up. There's not a guy wearing that sweatshirt. He's just wearing a generic black sweatshirt and you can upload the, the graphic and it makes it look like he's wearing it. It's pretty slick. That is a subscription service. So after all of that stuff comes out, Etsy fees, printing costs and shipping, my net profit was $73.17, which does not sound like a lot. But again, some initial startup costs that I won't pay on a monthly basis, an extra $73 of net profit is not too hateful. If I could get that to the point where that was a weekly number instead of a monthly number, I would be pretty pleased with how that was working. So kind of my goal for that whole thing is uh, I'm just going to continue to create five or six new designs each week and upload them. And hopefully this will continue to grow. If I could get to eight or 10 sales a day, that would be pretty spectacular. And we'll just see where it goes from there. So again, the print on demand shirt sold for uh, $27.99, less 10% plus $8 shipping. And I didn't have to do a thing. <laughs> uh, still on Etsy. It's been really busy over on Etsy. Um, I started, I ran a sale last month with Etsy for their cyber promotion week, and it really boosted my business. So for December, I'm running all of my print-on-demand items at 10% off and all of my books at 15% off, and it has been fantastic. I have done probably three or four times the business on Etsy that I do in a normal month, so that's something that I will probably continue to do is to promote listings over on Etsy with a bit of a discount. This book uh, by Paul Harvey from 1954, The Autumn of Liberty. It was a uh, published by Hancock House. It was a first edition hardcover. Another book, once again, from that big lot, $29.99, less the 15%, so $4.50 off. Uh, not a bad sale from a nickel, cost of goods sold. Computer Data Handling Circuits, uh, 1971, first printing paperback. Also, again, $29.99, less that 15% off. So not a bad sale, 25 bucks. This was from an estate sale from what I assume was a computer professor. There was all kinds of old computer and electronics data books and guides and manuals. I paid about 50 cents a piece for those. So again, a pretty nice flip, about $25 out of 50 cents. Still over on Etsy and still from the big lot, Snakes and Snake Hunting by Carl Caulfield. This was from, I think, the mid-1960s. It was an illustrated hardcover from Hanover House. This thing was actually in pretty rough condition. The, the cover had some wear. It was badly stained. The pages were well tanned, but there were just not very many of these out there. Sold for $34.99, less, again, the 15% off, so a $5.25 discount, plus... Media mail shipping. And still on Etsy, Hereward Carrington, The Case for Psychic Survival. This was a first edition hardcover from Citadel Press from 1957. Um, really interesting text. This thing sold for $37.99 plus customer paid shipping. Less again, the discount that I'm running over there. Also from the big lot, so less than a nickel. Cost of goods sold. 
Once again, from that lot, this one is over on eBay, A Treatise on Milling and Milling Machines. This was published by the Cincinnati Milling Machine Company back in 1945. I had this listed less than two hours and somebody bought it, so I may have underpriced it, but this was kind of what the comps looked like. $32.99 plus media mail shipping on that one. So again, old kind of technical books and technical manuals can do pretty well. Again, this was out of a big lot, so I didn't buy this really intentionally. It was just part of what I bought, but uh, that's a pretty nice flip. Also from that lot, a, a Disney book. This is one is out of print, The Future World of Transportation. This was an Epcot Center book from 1984 from Walt Disney World. These are in really good condition, can be worth anywhere from $50 to about $75. Mine had mine was an ex-library book. It did have some wear and some minor damage, so I listed it for $39.99 or best offer. I received an offer of $33.99 because I own it for one thin nickel. I went ahead and took that offer. Back over to Etsy and still more math and science textbooks, Mathematics for Liberal Arts by Morris Klein. This was published in, I believe, the 1960s by Addison Wesley, $39.99, less a, again, a 15% off offer, so $6 off, sold for $33.99, plus media mail shipping, old science and math textbooks can, again, be fairly decent. Uh, Something that's not a book, a record album. I picked this up in an estate sale for a dollar quite some time ago. Ray Lynch, Deep Breakfast. This was on uh, Music West Records. was a, a first edition from, I want to say the 1980s, in really, really terrific condition. I had it listed for $39.99. Again, less the uh, 15% off offer, so six bucks off. Sold for $33.99 plus media mail shipping. Nice, nice item. Be on the lookout for that. Ray Lynch, Deep Breakfast. Uh, This was also from The Big Lot, so another nickel book, The Fine Art of Mixing Drinks, the new revised edition from David A. Embury from 1958. Um, I got a message on this almost immediately after listening it, asking if it would arrive by Christmas. The buyer was in Columbus, Ohio. I'm in the greater Cincinnati area, so there was no problem getting it there in time. Another one that went for $39.99, less the discount, so $6 off, $33.99, plus media mail shipping. For an item that I own for a nickel. Also from that lot, uh, this was a, a really interesting piece. This was in really pretty mediocre condition because it had been used for its intended purpose. It was a service manual for the 1973 to 1991 Johnson Evan Rood 60-235 HP three-cylinder V4 and V6 two-stroke outboard engine. That is a mouthful. <laughs> Uh, it was published by a company called Selock, who I had not ever heard of. I listed this thing for $39.99 plus uh, media mail shipping. I got an offer of $34, and I went ahead and took that. So this thing had grease stains and oil stains all over it, but it's a fairly hard manual to find for those old Johnson Evinrude outboard motors, boat motors. Good deal. And this last item, two books, uh, I've had these for a very, very long time. I bought a series of books. Uh, these uh, was essentially the Library of Valuable Knowledge. They were published in the 19-teens. These two were from 1913. 
I bought what appeared to be a set that turned out to not be a complete set. So I've been selling them off individually for $20.99. I own them for a dollar a piece from a big estate sale buyout that I did. So from 1913, The Story of Electricity by John Monroe and The Story of the Living Machine by H.W. Kahn, both from 1913's Library of Valuable Knowledge. They're essentially five by seven hardcover books with some cool illustrations, neat old books. I've had these for, man, well over a year, but both of these sold for $20.99, so $41.98 out of a cost of goods sold of two bucks, plus, again, media mail shipping, so not a bad, not, again, no $100 items here this week, but a lot of stuff that got out of here. Uh, like I said, it has been super, super busy with just tons of stuff, low dollar bread and butter stuff, but that's what pays the bills. So I've, I've been very happy with how December has gone. You can let me know in the comments how your December has gone. Are you ready for the holidays? I was wrapping presents last night until I ran out of wrapping paper. <laughs> uh, so I, I generally try not to go to the stores during this time of year after a 30 year career in retail. I have no desire to be in a retail store anywhere near the Christmas holiday, but I'm going to have to go out, unfortunately, to buy at least a roll of wrapping paper to finish wrapping gifts. So uh, let me know how your holiday is going. I hope everybody is doing well. Uh, I know there's some some nasty, nasty illnesses going around. I've had several friends that have been super sick, so I hope you're avoiding that and geared up for a wonderful Christmas. Speaking of, the next two weekends are actually the holiday weekends, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. So I may or may not take the next two weeks off from this podcast. We'll kind of keep an eye on the reselling news. There has not been a lot of stuff going on this time of year, but if there is something that I feel is warrant, maybe letting you know, I may do one show during that two weeks, but definitely will not be two. So just be aware of that. Hopefully you've enjoyed this show. If you did, hey, yeah, I the thing I always forget to do. Uh, if you got something useful out of this, please do me a favor if you're watching on YouTube and whack that thumbs up button. If you're not a follower of the podcast or a subscriber to the YouTube channel, please consider doing that as well. You can also follow me on Instagram at Galaxy CDs Rocks. I'm not super active over there. Uh, we're just going off on all kinds of tangents. I'm, I'm kind of at wit's end with social media. It is just, man, <laughs> uh, it's not good. It's not good at all. I, I'm really trying to stay off of as much as I can Instagram and Facebook. I've, I'm not a Twitter user, which I understand is a total train wreck right now <laughs> as well. But uh, you can follow me over there. I do post occasionally on Instagram uh, pictures of Josie the Cat, some of the new designs that I'm making for the print on the band business, and some occasional resell content as well. So anyway, enough of me rambling. Thank you, as always, for those of you who... Uh, Take a little time out of your day to share your time with me. I appreciate it. And now it's time to sell. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time. <laughs>